0: The Discerning Geeks Portal's Babylon 5 spin-off podcast was a dream given form. Its goal, to review each episode of Babylon 5, a show about officers, telepaths, criminals, and ambassadors. Humans and aliens wrapped in five seasons of storytelling. Standing tall amongst the rest, it can be a classic show, but it's our lasting best hope for science fiction. These are our reviews of the original Babylon 5 TV show. The year is
1: 2023. The name of the podcast is Discerning Lurker's Portal. Welcome back, Discerning Lurker, to another exciting episode of the Discerning Lurker's Portal, a Babylon 5 podcast where each week my buddy Todd helps us delve into the world that is Babylon 5. My name is David and Todd, how you doing today? Oh, very
0: good and very ready for this episode. Uh, I'm glad that we've got a really good episode
1: to to review tonight. Okay, is this one exciting for you? I, oh, I yeah. I feel yeah. like you've been waiting on this one almost all season because we're getting close to the end of season one. Yeah, maybe not this one specifically, but this is one of a handful of better
0: episodes of season one that, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll, I think it'll
1: be a good one. Okay. Okay. Well, I will go ahead and give us the rundown. Tonight's episode we're talking about Babylon Squared. Basically, Babylon 5 investigates some strange tachyon emissions coming from Sector 14, and it leads them to run into Babylon 4. That we have talked or has been mentioned in previous episodes that just Strangely disappeared after construction. In addition, we have Delin has a mysterious meeting with the Gray Council, and I've got a couple of questions about this part for Todd. He's going to have to explain it a little bit further for me. But uh, yeah, we have Delin and the Gray Council, and Sinclair and others discovering Babylon Four. That's pretty much the meat of this. Did I miss anything? Uh, no. No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, why don't you go through our blue sector and just kind of tell our listeners what we need to know about this episode. Okay.
0: Uh, just a reminder that here near the end of season one, we started going by the J. Michael Straczynski preferred viewing order. So this does not match totally with things you might see online for the original transmission order. Uh, The transmission number for this one is 120. The production number and the JMS viewing order number are both 118. So it's not that far off, but I I guess JMS, they produced it a little bit earlier and he kind of meant for it to be a little bit earlier and somehow it got uh, pushed a little bit further down the road in the original transmission. The original air date was August 10th, 1994. The writer was J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of the show. And it was directed by Jim Johnston. And I didn't have this in my notes, but I did uh, get the uh, book, the volume two of The Babylon File by Andy Lane. And he actually has a section where he breaks down who directed each episode. And apparently Jim Johnston directed 11 episodes total between seasons one and three. Uh, Five of those were in season one. So this is probably... Ooh. Hmm, actually, that's not listed here in the Babylon file. So I might need to double-check. If he really did direct this episode, then there's a mistake in the Babylon file, or if the Babylon file is right, then there's a mistake in my notes. Mm. <laughs> Somebody directed the episode. That's good enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a good episode. Which, okay, I guess I should say, let's... Um, Move on over to our Red Sector. Please watch your
2: step. This is a low-gravity area. Please hold handrails at all times. Leaving Blue Sector. Now entering Red Sector.
1: So talk to me a little bit about your initial thoughts on Babylon Squared. Uh, This is definitely, as I said, one of the better episodes of
0: Season 1. And I guess, to a certain extent, you could say it's one of the better episodes of... The whole series, although some of the episodes in those middle three seasons will sadly blow even this away, Uh, but this is a great episode. It is cool that we explore the whole Babylon 4 aspect of it. In the previous episode that we did, which was A Voice in the Wilderness Parts 1 and 2, I talked about how it was very easy to forget parts of that episode, or uh, two-part episode for some reason. One of the things I keep forgetting about this one is that not only do we get Babylon 4, but we do get the Delenn subplot, and that's kind of interesting, too. Uh, So, yeah, in general, um, this is one of the better episode however i do forget other things about this episode such as uh like i know that they go to babylon 4 but i forget that they spend a little bit of time trying to evacuate people off for some reason that's just i I guess i have always focused on the more important aspects of the the whole babylon 4 involvement and so i kind of forget about that little mundane aspect that they had to get people off the station um and so like i said i kind of forget about that and forgot about the lens so uh so it was good to watch this episode again even though i already knew it was one of the better episodes it was good to to see it again and and appreciate it for even more than i re- remembered it for and i did look just now in the um lurker's guide to babylon 5 at midwinter.com and yes uh jim johnston did direct
1: this episode so sorry andy lane had it wrong okay <laughs> So I guess just a quick curiosity on some of these episodes. Um, sometimes in the rewatch, they either move up or down in your opinion. Does this one kind of stay about where you remembered it? Or do you think it you like it more or less than you did originally?
0: Uh, good question. I'm going to have to look. It stayed the same. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I won't say what my final score was on our P12 rating, but it it's equivalent of a B plus and I gave this a B plus a while okay. back too. And yeah, you, you, you didn't ask. And I forgot to mention uh, this same thing in our previous episode about the voice in the wilderness. Uh, those were all B minuses across the board, both back then. And again, this
1: time. So, okay. uh, so those didn't change either. Yeah. I liked the episode. I think it's fun and there's a lot there, but then I also felt like it's a, uh, kind of a another one of those teasing heavy episodes mm-hmm. yeah like and the problem with a teasing heavy episode is sometimes you can't appreciate its greatness until the tease plays out sometime in the future right so it's like okay cool this is interesting but then there's a whole lot of it i'm left going but i don't really understand it and so mm-hmm. i have a feeling we're gonna have a pretty hefty um, gray sector when we talk about spoilers in this one. So hang out for that guys, if you want the spoilers, but uh, you know that, that my initial reaction was, okay, this is cool. And I can see where this has the potential to be a fantastic episode. But right now there's so many loose ends for me. It's hard to say, Oh, it's phenomenal, you know, because I just don't know the, the payoffs everywhere. So It would be interesting to see how my rating for this changes over time, because there's definitely a lot kind of foreshadowed (laughs) in this. Yeah, and I would agree. As much as this
0: is a great episode, especially a great episode by season one standards, you're right. That's the thing that holds it back from even more greatness for me is the fact that it is kind of the setup for something even better that comes later. Um, The thing that comes later kind of blows us away, (laughs) but you've got to start somewhere. And JMS was very good in season one at laying a lot of groundwork and planting seeds. But I'm noticing that when I'm going back and watching all season one is that sometimes those seeds aren't as satisfying as the sprouts. Um, Right. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I know what's coming, but this
1: this isn't that spectacular just seeing the, the the birth of it. So, yeah, they discover these Tachyon emissions and realize that Babylon 4 is called in some kind of time bubble, I guess, time mm-hmm. hiccups, yeah. time, you know, that's going on. And, and is important. And we get lots and lots of, like, that it's very important. <laughs> you know, we're told that it's very important. We meet a, a kind of an interesting character, this Zathras. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm going to have to ask for more on that in the spoiler section. So be prepared. And, um, you know, a great war and something coming in the future. So we know all of this is going on. And then a little bit more kind of direct that's happening is, you know, Delin is offered leadership. And I kind of took that as leadership of, like, her entire people. But I'm not sure if that was actually what was offered or not. It was kind of confusing.
0: Yeah, I think it is. However, the the overall leadership structure of the mimbari is – in some ways oversimplified, but in some ways oversimplified to the point where you can't help but wonder, is there more to it and what are the rules to this? Um, I, I'm not even sure that it's established in this episode or not, but there are normally nine members of the Grey Council. There are three members from each of the three cast. Uh, the mimbari put a lot of stress around the number three, so three times three, so nine. However, uh, we also know that the whole reason that the Earthmenbari War was started was because of the assassination, kind of sort of accidental assassination, of their leader, Dukat. Now, one of the things that will be explained later on, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler, so I think it's okay to, to mention it now, is that at the time that Dukat was alive, he was what they referred to as the leader, and he was not one of the nine. He He might have come from the nine, but it's kind of like he was a tenth member of the council. So... What is not totally clear is why it is they haven't already replaced him as leader, what they do without a leader, and what exact what exactly is the purview of authority that the nine do with or without a leader? Like I don't know if this is kind of like the equivalent of a Senate but they have some kind of House of Representatives back home, or if, this is, or if these nine people truly just run the entire Minbari race. I, that is never made super clear. But it's almost like the leader would be a president among a cabinet or a prime minister among a, a cabinet, and that's what they are kind of just wanting to hand to DeLand, um, or at least that's my interpretation of it. And yeah, in this episode, we see that she turns it down and she wants to remain ambassador to Babylon 5. Uh, she actually feels that that is more, either more important or at the very least more her calling. Um, and they seem kind of reluctant, but they, they go along with it.
1: Uh, so yeah, they will continue to go without that 10th member for a while. Yeah, it was it was, it was interesting because it was very mysterious. She kind of just shows up on this in this area goes on this ship we see the gray council and we had seen them before because we kind of saw them interacting a little bit with the the whole battle of the line and they were instrumental in sinclair and all of that so we we've we've met these characters a little bit in the past um in, in some few previous episodes but it was kind of a big deal that they were and especially because she seems so young compared to some of the other ones, you know, that they would just be like, hey, you, you get to be the, the leader of us all. But she definitely um, has bigger plans. And that I do know a little bit about. So we'll talk about that in the spoilers. But, uh, yeah, lots of spoilers on this, this episode. Talk to me yeah. a little bit more about the, the world building or anything else in this red sector.
0: Okay. So another part of my notes, I, I've got that it's been 10 cycles. And I don't know if a Minbari cycle is equivalent to an Earth year, but supposedly 10 cycles that they've been without a leader since Dukat was killed. And so apparently you know, that wasn't a spoiler. I guess they did mention that, that in this episode. Um, so they've been without a leader for quite a while. And so again, it makes you wonder what is the purpose of the leader and how do they deal with it when they don't have one? And what does it mean when they're ready to give a a person the leadership role? I I don't know. But apparently it it is an unusual amount of time for the Great Council to go without a leader. So maybe they have gone without a leader before, but just not for this long. And you mentioned that she seems kind of young. She may not be super young now, but It is kind of implied later on when we see a flashback to what happened around the time of the Earthman-Bari war. It is implied that she is rather young then, that she's just kind of learning things around that time. So, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, she is not that young uh, and maybe not that super experienced, which I think says a lot about Delenn that they see that much potential in her if, they're, if they are willing to hand this leadership position to her at a young age, there again, we don't know. It could be a similar situation to Londo, where uh, amongst his people, his position as ambassador of Babylon 5 was kind of considered a joke. It wasn't taken very seriously. Maybe they want to give her the leadership position because they're like, we've gone 10 years without a leader. This is getting ridiculous. We need to elect somebody. And maybe the other eight didn't want it. <laughs> maybe they were like, uh ah. Give it to her. Or she'll take it. Yeah, again, we're kind of left hanging knowing exactly what the nature of this leadership position is all about. Oh, but another part of my note says that no one has ever turned down a calling by the Great Council before. So one way or another, Delenn's being offered the position and turning it down across the board, it's all unprecedented.
1: Hmm. Anything else in this red sector? I feel like we're going fast. That's really all I have. Okay, like I said, I felt like the plot of this one was pretty straightforward. You know, yeah. now we'll get into a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes stuff later. But so let's hop on board the transport tube and head to and the green sector. Now entering green sector. This for our listeners is where we talk about the kind of characters and character development, things like that, some memorable quotes, and. So, yeah, who do we get in this episode of? I mentioned Zathras. Um, so, yeah. yeah, talk to me a little bit about Zathras.
0: <laughs> yes, the first appearance of him, uh, he's played by Tim Choate. Um, this is also an episode with the second appearance of Lee's Hampton, played by Denise Gentile, or maybe Gentile. In fact, the first appearance was the very previous episode two-parter that we went over. Now, outside of the JMS order, I don't know if maybe these episodes aren't uh, consecutive like they are in the order that we're going in. But uh, yeah, so in the order we're going in, Lee Sampton was just introduced last time, and she's already showing up again this time. Uh, this is also the sixth appearance of Mark Hendrickson. He's one of those actors that plays various aliens on the station. This time he's playing a Minbari, and by this episode, he's already played a Minbari one other time, uh, plus a Narn and a Drazi twice each. And this is not his last appearance. We'll see him more later. And really, off the top of my head, I'm not even sure which Minbari he was. Uh, so. Uh, And then the only other person I have cast related is Ken Broadhurst played Major Krantz.
1: I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but I know this is the first appearance of Zathras. Do we get more Zathras in the future? Yes. Uh Okay. I kind of figured we did because this is a pretty big important little thing that's going on here but uh, wasn't sure
0: yeah we don't get too much of him since we're not in spoiler zone let me be really vague and say that we definitely get a little bit more of him but he i think was such a popular character and tim Chote did such a great job playing this character that jms finds a way of including him again later even when you would think he
1: couldn't be included i'll leave it that vague okay i almost kind of spoiled this last episode we do get some kind of interesting flashes it's not clear exactly some of them are flash forwards. some of them are flashbacks Um, from some of the characters there's a scene where sinclair is in some kind of fight and then garibaldi basically holds the line and and has a big gun and shoots a whole bunch of people. Um, but then we do get a flashback and we're pretty sure it's a flashback. I mean, it was legit of Garibaldi. Um, like you had mentioned the uh, Lee Hampton character. He's, he's talking with her and getting ready to leave her to go to Babylon five. And the interesting knit, or a little tiny bit that I thought was in this was that she mentions that he barely knew Sinclair. Like it, they'd only talked a couple of times and he was willing to kind of leave her and go and take this position at Babylon five. And I found hmm. that to be kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I um, he makes some com- or she makes some comment to him. You know, you you only spent like this much time talking to him. You only met him twice, or something like that. And uh, and you're willing to just leave everything and go there. So apparently, it wasn't a very deep relationship between Garibaldi and Sinclair before they he came to Babylon
0: Five. I somehow missed that detail. I, I don't know if I've ever paid that much attention to it, and I don't know why. And knowing that now, it's interesting and kind of ironic because Sinclair and Garibaldi seem to be friends on Babylon 5. Yeah. Now, even when Babylon 5 starts, I think even when we see the pilot episode, I think even then Babylon 5 has been around for a while. Uh, And then there's approximately a year between the pilot and the first weekly episode. So maybe by the time the, the season one gets started, they've had enough time that they have become friends now. And it doesn't necessarily rely on a huge backstory for them to be friends. I think that it's also ironic that they do seem to know each other so well and be such good friends, considering that, in real life, the two actors didn't totally get along, considering some oh. <laughs> of the behind-the-scenes information that we know. And so, yeah, in both the writing and the performances, their friendship kind of is believable and pays off, despite what you're saying, that it may not have gone back that far. And like I said, knowing that in real life, the actors didn't totally get along. So, um, yeah, the strength of writing and performances.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a quote. I don't really have the the quote that goes along with the scene, but I will say one of my, the one, I just thought it was fun. Uh, the episode kind of starts off with Ivanova coming out and Sinclair and Garibaldi are having breakfast and she joins them at breakfast. Hmm. And then Sinclair kind of, uh, lulls her to sleep she's like she's telling him oh i got woke up you know so early because cnc called there was these tachyon emissions and we need to do some research it's a couple miles away but she her sleep was interrupted and so he kind of lulls her to sleep and then they switch like their plates and everything to so that they're like done and like she wakes up and they pretend like breakfast is over. She's like, Oh, it's like 7.30. Oh, I'm supposed to be on the. <laughs> and it was just kind of a fun little game that they played with her. Um, and Sinclair even kind of says, Garibaldi, you're a dead man. You know, She <laughs> realizes what you've done. Uh, but he was just as in on it. So I, I thought that it was funny that, you know, Garibaldi kind of took the blame, even though you could tell that it was both of them very handily in on this little ruse that they did with her and that was one of my i just thought it was a fun scene uh, i like seeing their interactions
0: yeah it's a little bit on the corny side but mm-hmm. i think that's kind of JMS's comedy style so
1: yeah but let's get into some quotes you have any quotes for us in this episode it, it,
0: yeah i've only got a couple them. one of them isn't even that funny or, or amusing or deep or philosophical or anything like that. But it, it's something that I'm going to have to elaborate on in spoiler zone. I mean, seriously, you're right. This might be in a quicker view and then everything is going to be in, in spoiler zone. So the first quote is from Zathras and actually, do you prefer it? it? Cause do you have any questions? No, no. no go for it. Okay. So, um, I love it when, when Zathras says, Zathras not of this time. You take, Zathras die. You leave, Zathras die. Either way, it is bad for Zathras. <laughs> Um, I just love his way of talking, and I'll actually have a little bit of comment on that in, in Grace Sector on how and why it is he talks that way.
1: Uh, strangely enough, the one that I had, and again, I'm not even sure if it's a full quote or not. It's more of a scene and it is Garibaldi and um, Sinclair are on this ship flying to Babylon Four, and and they I think they mention it's like three hours or something one way, or it's, it's a long flight out there to 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 this sector, and uh, and they're flying, and Garibaldi's like trying to pass the time, and he just kind of asks him, he goes do you fasten, then zip, or zip, then fasten? It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what? I'm not going to have this conversation. And then he finally is like, I fasten and zip. <laughs> and Garibaldi's like, yeah, me too. And it was kind of like, you could tell that there's, it's like, okay, what are we going to do with this time? And Garibaldi's kind of ready with, no, I've got some, like, you know, it's almost like, I've used as an icebreaker in different settings with meetings before you know, do you roll your toilet paper over or under you know, and and let people kind of debate which way the, the toilet paper roll is supposed to roll and it means nothing but it's just a way to kind of break the ice and talk about different things. So uh, I thought it was funny that they were having to have this conversation kind of awkwardly in the in the ship on the way to Babylon 4.
0: Um, well, and not only is the question kind of absurd, the fact that they know is a little bit hard to believe because whenever that comes up and I think about it, I honestly don't know which one I do first. It's one of those things that is so automatic. And I think that's one reason why Garibaldi is asking the question, because since it is automatic, we don't think about it. And therefore we never think about the possibility that somebody else could do it differently. But I think about it so little that I don't remember. And so I couldn't answer the question. If I tried, I would literally have to take my pants off, put them back on and pay attention to the way I did it. And even then I would be so self-conscious about the way I did it. I would probably do it one way on purpose and then wonder, Okay, but is that the way I usually do it? Um, And then the other thing that is a little bit weird about the conversation is the use of the word fasten. When I usually think about it as a buttoning. You you, You button your jeans, you button your pants. Or trousers for our British friends. Now, granted, in the future, maybe they substitute buttons for something else. And maybe that's why they had to use the word fasten. But I never think of it as fastening. So... The whole conversation is just weird on multiple levels.
1: (laughs) Did you have any other quotes?
0: Yeah. And like I said, this will not be interesting until we get to spoiler zone. And even then, I'm not even sure it'll be interesting then. (laughs) So I'll just, uh, but I'll have to say it here in order to set it up for later. So Ivanova, uh, it's near the end of the episode and Ivanova says, Commander, welcome home. And Sclera says, thanks. Ivanova says, I've been monitoring the situation from this end. So it's true then. Sinclair answers, yes, it's true. Ivanova, "Uh, great. And I missed it. Sinclair, not necessarily. Lieutenant Commander, we don't know where Babylon 5 was going or when it was going. Who knows? It may show up again sometime. And Ivanova replies, well, if it does, this time I'm going and Garibaldi's staying home. And again, I'll elaborate later why that is significant.
1: Well, and I had that, and then I have a question, and this will kind of keep going because I, I, I'm curious if this is foreshadowing. Don't answer this question yet. But that quote continues. You know, uh, Sinclair says, the flying Dutchman, he called her. And Ivanova says, what? I don't get the reference. Right. Um, and Sinclair explains, it's a legend, an ancient sailing vessel that vanished while trying to sail the Cape of Good Hope. According to the story, it reappeared again and again over the centuries, trying to find a way home. And then Ivanova asks, did the Flying Dutchman ever make it home? To which Sinclair answers, no. So I'm throwing that out there almost as a question mark, you know, kind of, do I need to read anything deeper into that when we get to the spoiler zone?
0: yeah i don't know and one of our behind the scenes sources does have more about the flying dutchman but i admit i did not pay that much attention to that so uh, i might skim over that and see if it has any relevance to to what we're talking about
1: okay okay well i think unless you have any other quotes that wraps up our green sector which means we're going into brown sector
2: Entering brown sector
1: this is where we talk about our nitpicks dislikes and the bad stuff um, I'll start the biggest one I have and this is what I mentioned earlier kind of in the synopsis is that if I have a nitpick or a complaint about this episode it's that so much of its shadows of the future, you know, things that are going to happen and set up for the future. And in many ways, very little payoff. Um, and, and some of it just kind of leaves you scratching your head. And I'm like, okay, I don't really understand that. What does that mean? And what is that going to look like in the future? Um, and so that's my biggest nitpick. I mean, it, it's okay. I understand yeah. that it, it's necessary. But at the same time, that was, you know, as I was watching it, I was kind of like, I I, I just don't know what all this means. (laughs) I don't know that it's what's important here. I I need to, this is one of those episodes that you have to put an asterisk beside, I think. And then some point in the future, go back and go, I've got to go back and rewatch that episode to make sure that I see all the tie ins because I know that there's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, could be four seasons from now. I don't know. We'll have to see. You'll be able to help me out a little bit in the uh, gray sector. So that's my biggest complaint or nitpick, or actually the only one I really had in this episode. Um, Well, I got one more. And that is the, we get a couple of scenes with the space traveler with the helmet on, who is kind of there on Babylon 4 and he kind of makes a couple of appearances and it's it's that fading in and out. And it just felt awkward. <laughs> Overall, it just felt awkward. It's like, okay, I realize that this is a really important thing going on here. But the way that it was shot and the way when I watched it and everything, I was like, there's something about it just felt off. It just felt kind of off. And I don't know what it was. I, it just hmm. felt awkwardly okay. done. Yeah. Um, I, and maybe it was just the type of special effects being used. I don't know. Um, but, but that was my, those are my, my big nitpicks. Okay. What, what you got.
0: I've really only got one and I feel bad about this because I usually am not that critical of acting. um, But we've actually had a few episodes recently where it's like, I I can't help it. I've I've got to mention this. This is another one. The actor that portrays Major Krantz is really overacting. Uh, It's entirely possible that he's good in other things he's been in. Uh, Maybe he was having an off day. Maybe the director was giving him bad directions. Maybe he is not used to science fiction and, and didn't know to take science fiction seriously. But he's just really overreact and it's been a while since I've seen the episodes. So, um, uh, like two or three weeks. It took us a while to, to record for this. Uh, so I don't remember off the top of my head, any specific moments, but I just vaguely remember just him being kind of wide eyed and just kind of a little bit hyper and just overselling the lines. Um, so yeah, I, I would say he's really my only nitpick from the episode.
1: Okay. Well, that takes us to Gray Sector.
2: Now entering Gray Sector. Beware of Spoiler Zone. Attend of Sector.
1: And Gray Sector is where we get a little bit of a look behind the scenes. We're going to talk about any kind of behind the scenes things. Then we're going to do our rating. And then we'll go into our Spoiler Zone. And I think our Spoiler Zone may be a little heavy this episode. Um, So maybe it's good that we kind of powered through a little fast on some of the other sectors. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. So, yeah, we're going to kind of do a soft sign off for those that don't want to be spoiled. And we'll talk about some lots of things to come. Uh, But go ahead and why don't you lead us off with some of the just behind the scenes trivias and things that you know of about this episode that maybe the rest of us don't.
0: Okay, so under the original version of the story arc for Babylon five, the revelation of what happened to Babylon four would actually come four years later. Like it would be near the end of the entire series. Now due to unforeseen changes in the real life situation of the show. And I'll leave that part vague. We get it pushed up, uh, to a little over one and a half years from now, it'll actually happen in the middle of the arc that we get more information on what happened to Babylon four. Ivanova's issues with mornings and waking up, kind of reflects JMS's own real life issues with mornings. He's never been a morning person. He's more of a night, night owl. Sometimes he writes well into like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. uh, And then he has trouble kind of getting up in the morning. So he's often writing his characters in such a way. Uh, Zathras's speech pattern. I mentioned that earlier. is actually inspired by JMS's paternal grandmother who came from Belarusia. And she knew English, but apparently she knew the words, but didn't quite nail the grammar. And so she would talk in about the same kind of speech patterns that Zathras does. And so that's where that inspiration comes from. Interesting. Uh, JMS intentionally left certain details about the time travel aspect intentionally vague in this episode just in case things change later before he could come back and kind of readdress things again. And it was kind of a good thing that he had that foresight to make things vague now, because sure enough, some things did change. And as I already mentioned, he had to Change when the follow-up episodes came, when he readdressed Babylon 4. He had to basically restructure all of it. And so it's good that it was vague now because it allowed him some flexibility later on, uh, including when Babylon 5 was going. It was actually pulled in the opposite direction from which we think it was going. Mm. And then lastly, the blue spacesuit, that you kind of talked about and the one scene that you thought was weird. Uh, that suit was actually rented from a prop house and was originally used in the film 2010.
1: Ah, I thought that looked familiar.
0: I think they might have reworked it a little bit, uh, but not so much that you can't still recognize it.
1: No, that's a good nod. That's kind of cool. Some nice little tidbits there. And, um Yeah. I think it's time for us to rate this episode, and as always, we're using our PsyCore rating scale from a P1 to a P12, P12 being the absolute highest, P1 being the absolute worst, and we are going to see where we think Babylon Square lands. Todd, where do you have this? Okay, because this is such a great episode in general,
0: it sets up a lot of stuff for the future. It's one of the best episodes of season one. I've got to breach the double-digit range. But because of some of the things we've already mentioned about how you kind of feel like it's kind of planting seeds for the future, but by itself it's it's not super clear like what we're really supposed to get out of this episode. And because I also know that those middle three seasons – there are going to be a lot of P11s and P12s in those. I'm going to be a little bit reserved this time and give this just a P10. Okay.
1: Okay. I'm just a little bit lower, and I think it's mainly just because I don't know the payoffs yet. Mm. Again, this may be one that I have to come back and look at differently in the future. I still thought it was interesting, and I thought the characters were cool as always, and I think uh, there's some good stuff here know jakar again we mentioned that last episode (laughs) we're in our jakar drought um you know episode like nine and counting but anyways um but still some good characters uh we would um but for that i kind of am giving it the benefit of the doubt by giving it a p9 and it may even jump up higher than that but i almost want to give it a p8 just because i'm still kind of like i want more i need i need to know what's going on i do know that some of that is coming and i I know that we're going to get some of that payoff so i'm going to give it a little bit of leeway and go ahead and do the p9 so hopefully if i do have to come back and revisit it and rate it later that i can i'm not having to jump it up quite as far um so yeah that's where i'm at this is the moment that I get to get some answers and you get to help me kind of formulate where we're going from here. But uh, before we do that, we always want to do like a kind of a soft sign off to where those that don't want the spoilers, maybe don't want us to ruin anything about this five year arc plan that's coming for Babylon five in the future, um, an opportunity to sign off. But before we do that, we encourage you to, do us a solid go ahead and give us do us a favor and just uh talk about our podcast you know comment on your pod chaser of choice apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you you listen uh rate us you know mark us up talk uh, with your friends if you have anybody that does a or knows or ugh, let me try that again if you have other people that you know that are babylon 5 fans Tell them about our podcast. Maybe you have some people that have never heard of Babylon 5. You should introduce them. It's a great show. Um, And then a good way for them to learn about the show is to listen to our podcast alongside. They're watching it. So, yeah, talk about our podcast. Get us moving up so more people recognize us. That's the only way that the, the filters and everything work. So, and then send us a message. Let us know. Uh, what you think, how we're doing, anything that we can improve on. We're getting ready to go into season two. And we want to make this something enjoyable for you guys, our listeners. So if you have any tips or hints or anything that you want us to switch up, let us know. And you can do that by emailing us at discerninglurkers at gmail.com, on Twitter at discerninggeeks, or on our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal. And, yeah, if you haven't checked out Todd and I's other podcasts with some other buddies, we do the Discerning Geeks Portal where we talk about some movies and other TV topics and role-playing, a little bit broader, well, a whole lot broader. Um, but, uh, yeah, check that out as well.
2: During the month of March 2023, the Discerning Geeks Portal will have reviews of the movies Godzilla 2014, Conan the Barbarian, Ice Pirates, and Robot Jux. Afterwards, the geeks have plans to compare their favorite Star Wars movies, to review the original Highlander movie, and to talk about several sci-fi, fantasy, and horror TV topics, including favorite single-episode stories, favorite multiple episodes stories, and favorite TV seasons. It's a guarantee that Babylon 5 will be mentioned a lot during those TV topics.
1: For those who have been listening we appreciate you and thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode and you may want to sign off here before we get into the spoilers yeah thank you for joining us
2: todd isn't bothering with the theme music here anymore so this is your last warning for spoiler zone ahead
1: spoiler time todd this is where you got to tell me what's going on well i don't have anything in my notes for spoiler zone so basically i just need to answer your questions okay Um, so we know that Babylon four is being used in some kind of great war. Mm -hmm. Um, it also appears that somehow Sinclair is somehow taking part in that because we, you know, learn that he's the man in the suit. Right. Um, and he even says something about, I tried to warn them, but it was, you know, staticky and and so we couldn't hear anything that he said and so he's just kind of this blurry figure that shows up um I mean kind of in general give me a little bit of general what, what what's going on here what big war are we talking about is this the the war with the shadow uh y- yes it is it is in reference
0: to the shadow war and In the original version of the Babylon 5 arc, I think the Shadow War would have lasted longer and been a bigger deal and would have culminated in them needing the station in the future, if I remember correctly. Uh, So they're actually going to be pulling Babylon 4 forward. And I think Sinclair and Delenn were going to take the station and kind of run with it. And then there was going to be a spinoff of Babylon five called Babylon prime. And they were basically going to take the the station into the next series. And I guess either continue the shadow war or maybe they ended the shadow war and there was going to be something even bigger and worse to handle. I don't know, but it was, it was kind of ambitious to, of Jameis not only to have a five-year arc, but one that created a spinoff that was probably also supposed to have a five-year arc. Um, but um, as I already mentioned, things that changed along the way, including uh, Michael O'Hare having to leave the show, kind of pushed up the timetable. And our, our next time addressing the Babylon 4 issue comes about more like the middle of the series and involves the station kind of going the opposite direction. And that will happen during the Shadow War, but there, the Shadow War has also gone through cycles where there are times the shadows are kind of asleep for a while and they come back out. And so the station is not necessarily needed for this version of the Shadow War. Okay. okay. Uh, if that's too vague, I can be a little bit more clear if you want me to,
1: a little bit more blatant, or I could just leave it at that. Well, so I guess the. Other question is, um, are we mainly only going to see Zathros when it's kind of related to this Babylon 4 shadow war? Or do we see him for other plots and things going on?
0: We definitely see him one other time in the future. And that's kind of what I was referring to later. When we get to the whole Babylon 4 thing later, yes, he'll pop up then. He'll be instrumental in that. Then there will be at least one time after that that we get him again, but I can't remember if it's just the one time or not. But there again, is it really him? It looks like him, and it's the actor. But is it really Zathras, or is it (laughs) Zathras, or maybe Zathras? There again, it could be (laughs) Zathras. Now you people out there, people out there who have seen the episode I'm talking about, they know exactly what I'm talking about. If you want me to clarify, I can.
1: No, that's okay. I, I mean, some of this I definitely don't want to spoil too much, but I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Um, I don't want to totally overlook the D'Lynn plot with the Grey Council, because Grey Council's kind of mysterious, right? We're we, we, doing mysterious stuff all the time, and D'Lynn's a little mysterious. We'd, we'd, we're always kind of trying to figure out her... Real motivation. But we definitely, you know, she makes a stand that she has this calling to be kind of on Babylon 5. She knows that there's important stuff there. Mm. They give her a... Triluminary? Yeah. I was going to say yeah. triangular thing. I don't even yeah. remember what it was called or what it does or how it's important. Um, I mean, You mentioned that 3 is very important with... Mm. Yeah. The membari. There it's just you know we've got three of each member on the council, 3 times 3 We have three of these three of these three-sided triluminary things. What is what what's up with this? What, what do we know? What do we know is going on here?
0: Well, I think this has been addressed in previous episodes. So this well, part of this would be non-spoiler and part of it won't. We've seen that the triluminaries have multiple purposes. In one episode, I think it was, and the sky's full of stars where we saw Sinclair, uh, the guy went into his mind, he was trying to figure out what happened to the hole in his mind. And we see the flashbacks to Sinclair being, uh, abducted during the battle of the line and the Mimbari use the Triluminary. They just kind of put it up in front of them and it lights up. And somehow that's all, all it takes f- to tell them that, um, but there is something unique and special about Sinclair, and it leads to them stopping the Earthman-Bari war. And I think I've kind of given away in more than one spoiler zone already specifically why they do that. So in some ways, the triluminary is kind of like a, a, a detection device. But uh, we also know that Deland goes through a change later on, uh, and if anybody has even seen little, fo- you know, screenshots or or DVD covers or whatever of future seasons, you know that she gets hair. the gets doesn't look Yeah. Yeah. She she goes through a bit of a hybridization. The Triluminary is also part of a device that she has been building all season that will ultimately allow her to make
1: that transition. Okay. Like that was part of one of the things I want to – it was this – triluminary going to be used in that um yeah the transformation the, cocoon, the, yeah. the 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 technology that's used for her to go through this so we have babylon 4 shows up we know that it's going to be used as a kind of a base of operations in this future war it's at this like i said we kind of have the big reveal at the end that it's sinclair in the suit but what am I missing there? I feel like there's, I don't want to get too spoilery. I guess my big spoiler question is, do we get explanation of all of that? Like what was going on with him coming back and trying to talk to him and helping Zathrus? Or is that one of those things that's just kind of lost in the future and we get little pieces, but not really the big payoff.
0: Some of it is pretty clear. And some of it even later is a little bit on the convoluted side, at least somewhat because things didn't go quite the direction that JMS wanted to. Uh, So things where Zathras makes reference to the one Uh and also who is in the suit uh those are things that end up going through a little bit of a change i think because yeah, uh,
1: it's kind of interesting he originally says you're not the one and then right. he sees the guy in the suit and he goes oh it is the one and then we see him take his mask off his, his helmet off and it's like oh it's the same guy it's like how can he not be the one and be the one at the same time
0: yes there there are two things going on there for one thing because of the timey-wimey, travel stuff about the episode. It's almost like we're in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, from a certain point of view, when talking about who Darth Vader is, to Luke Skywalker, uh, it's kind of that. It's kind of like at that moment when he says, not the one, Well, he's right. At that moment, Sinclair is not the one. But then there's also another aspect going on with what is the definition of the one. And that's one of the things where JMS pulls off a little bit of uh, Mm. uh, dialogue gymnastics to give a different meaning as to what it means to be the one Uh, that allows some flexibility later. And some of that had to be done because of the way the arc changed and because of the way – Michael O'Hare had to leave the show and stuff like that. So again, I can be more detailed if you really want me to.
1: No, I think that's that's good. Okay. Uh,
0: And then there's one thing I said I was going to mention later. Uh, Let me try to refresh my memory on what that was. Oh, okay. So when there are later episodes that address the whole Babylon 4 thing, Remember the quote that I that I said from Ivanova where she said, next time I'm going, Garibaldi is staying here. Well, that actually comes to pass. When they do readdress the whole Babylon 4 thing, I won't say exactly what happens, but Garibaldi is basically left at home. And mm-hmm. Ivanova goes along with whatever comes next. And that is done intentionally by Sinclair, partially because Sinclair doesn't want... Garibaldi to be caught up in the timey wimeyness of stuff that happens, because you may have noticed in that one shot, Sinclair looks older, and I think it's implied in this episode that the Star Fury pilot that his internal organs aged when he yeah. got too close to the he basically the died time of field. old age. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So Sinclair wants to intentionally leave Garibaldi out so that he doesn't get mixed up in things, and. That might actually fit with the narrative of the show. And then also at the same co- time, I can't help but wonder, is that done intentionally? Because, again, those actors didn't get along. Is it a little bit of both? Uh, I don't know. But it kind of works out conveniently that, yes, Garibaldi will kind of be left out of things. And so it kind of fulfills Ivanova's quote in this episode that next time Garibaldi's staying, I'm going to go. And, well, that ends up being true.
1: Okay. I think that's all the questions that I have. I know we're going to get a lot more payoff on a lot of this stuff in the future, but uh, yeah. Anything else you want to leave us with, Todd, on Babylon Squared?
0: Uh, No, I think that's enough. I know this is a spoiler zone, but I think if we get too deep, it'll it'll be too spoilery, even for you. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a good place to stop.
1: Okay. With that, I Todd, I appreciate all your help and explanation and all your behind-the-scenes knowledge. It has been a fun episode to talk about, and I can't wait for our next episode.
0: Yeah, same here. In fact, uh, we got another good one coming up, so we're in a stretch of really good
1: episodes right now. Awesome. Sounds great. Sounds great. Listeners, appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next week. Remember, continue to do whatever makes you. A discerning geek. Yeah, thank you for joining us.